0: Welcome to the J Two Hub Podcast, where we focus on everything from property development, hot entrepreneurially business topics, and real-life scenarios facing business owners just like you and I. Brought to you by James Sohota, we bring you exciting real-life property, business, and entrepreneurially related hot topics, and that little bit more.
1: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Property Duo, Season Two. How can James? James, hello. How
2: you doing, sir? Good morning. <laughs> Where is uncle. That? <laughs> uncle always secretly comes out somehow. You know, it's like there. when you're
1: at your cousin's house and you it's early and your uncle's like, "Huh, good morning. Get up. What are you doing in bed?" <laughs> and you're like, "Why are you shouting? No, oh, no, no, I'm shouting, man. Like you are that <laughs> you are that uncle, man. Like, oh god, leave us alone, man." and sitting there telling us war stories obviously you lived through world war ii and stuff so it's, yeah it's, yeah it's kind of, one as well yeah yeah oh oh, wow okay fair enough i thought you just got the tail end of it so uh speaking of beginnings i don't know how we were speaking of beginnings but on today's show people we are going to talk about james what, what, what would you call it in one line your beginnings wow that was that was pretty poor i was thinking your beginnings don't Determine your...
2: Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, no, that's the title. So your beginnings don't necessarily determine where you end up. Your start doesn't determine where you finish. Your family upbringing or whatever knowledge or education you've got from your family doesn't determine where you go in life or where you end up in life or what path you end up in.
1: Very, very true. And then also our special guest is going to talk to us about her beginnings, but also how she has raised investor finance, not JVs, but the gold standard loans from few investors. And it's a big amount. I'm pretty sure it's a million plus at the time of recording, but we'll let her cover that off. So and she's kind of raised, she's
2: raised a hell of a lot, right? You're right. She's what project number 15 or 16 or what?
1: Yeah. In, I've in lost a her. very short time. Yeah. And, you know, she doesn't just do crappy projects. They are very, very nice looking. And look, people are going to know who she is anyway. So she's so going to talk about raising finance, but we want to kind of maybe set the ground, literally set the groundworks and the foundations for then her knowledge and our wisdom on raising finance, because you have to have certain things correct before you go and borrow money, you know, before you do anything like that. But before we get into the actual mechanics of that, let's talk about beginnings. James, you know, do you think, you know How much of an impact do you think our parents' our upbringing, our culture, our social environment has on who we are as people?
2: I think it has a massive impact, especially when you're growing up and being like you just said, our culture being from you know, Punjabi Indian families, there's always this set plan. You know, an Indian parent always has a set plan for their child. Mm-hmm. It's normally five different, you know, five different professions. If you're not a doctor, you're a dentist. If you're not a dentist, you're a lawyer. If you're not a lawyer, you're an accountant. If you're not an accountant, they'll even now accept a teacher. You know, Oh, I've got, they added it to the list now. Oh, very the, the, good. The, te- the teacher is, you know, classed as a good profession. I'm not going to diss oh, it because I was a teacher for a while. Um, but, yeah, there's always this set route. It's kind of like, okay, if you haven't gone to university and got a degree, you've failed. If you haven't got married by a certain age, you failed. If you haven't had a child by a certain age, you failed. If you don't have a semi-detached house and a Mercedes <laughs> by a certain age or a, or a BMW by a certain age, you're a failure, you know? And that's such an old way of thinking. But I can understand how it was such a big thing for them because when I talked to my mum or I talked to people from the era that came here, you know, first-generation Indians in London – this was it. This is what they aspired to. You know, they would see people with the nice semi-detached house. They'd see their kids who had a good career and it was just a path that was laid out to them. So, you know, if they were working class, working in a factory or a shop or whatever, and they were looking at certain Indians up the ranks that had a good career and had a good car and had a good life for them, automatically they thought that is the path to go. And for many, many years and still to this day, Indian parents are inflicting that pain on their children (laughs) and saying, you must be a doctor you must get the degree. but you know what the fact of the matter is in this day and age being a doctor doesn't necessarily mean you're going to earn shitloads of money because somebody could be a social media influencer or could be a youtuber and they could be earning just as much you know i watch videos on that guy who goes around interviewing people and says hey man you got such a nice car can you tell me what you do for a living how yeah. often do you hear them say oh i'm a doctor i'm an <laughs> accountant i'm I'm an influencer i'm a youtuber i've got my own branding agency i've got my social media agency so the world is massively changing so i feel especially as a young indian there was a very there was very much this route you had to follow and if you didn't follow it you were regarded as a failure and something else you said there ted you said does your early years kind of influence you in a way and for me most certainly it did because Watching my mum after I lose my lost my father, watching my mum hustling away, watching her doing multiple things to get to where she did in life at this present point, I think to myself she achieved something massively, and as a kid that registered in my head that hard work gets you where you need to go you know and i'm thirty eight years old, and that's still in my mind that doing something well and keep doing it and you keep working hard, you will eventually get to where you want to go. So I think it works in two folds because we pick up lots of good habits from our parents as young children watching, but I feel their thinking and the way they used to think or the way they do think as a collective is very much outdated, mate, massively. Mm. And I
1: think, you know what, it don't, I, I think it doesn't happen now as much as it did. And I think now a lot of kids are fighting against it. You know, there's kind of a culture where, especially, I suppose if you've got a sibling, you're both arguing it. And, I mean, there's evidence. Look, like you said, look at the richest people and what they do. And now it's something, you know, that 10 years ago would have been laughed at. It wouldn't have even been a job. It would have been like, Oh, you, you do this like internet thing. or well, good for you, mate. I'm still using the facts. Like, and, <laughs> like, you know, it's, it shows you like how the culture has shifted and it has changed. But I suppose like also there's kind of, it's a double-edged sword, right? Like you don't want parents who are like, Oh, just do whatever you want. And we're happy with that because you know, you, you want them to think that in terms of do whatever job you want, do whatever this you want, as long as you are successful in your own right and you are happy within yourself, that's what matters. You don't want kind of parents who just say, oh, you know what, yeah, do what you want, and then the kids don't have enough guidance and then they just end up like – so it's kind of a balance, isn't it, of being that rigid, right, you need to do this, you need to do that, to shifting it with – A very uh, fine line, you're right, very, very fine yeah, line. because, you know, our parents influence us so much in good and bad ways that if – you know, that fine tipping one way can change things. I mean, when I was growing up, my parents were chilled. I mean, you met my dad, you can tell he's just chilled. He doesn't give a shit about anything. Like, (laughs) I wouldn't (laughs) say that. Well, he's, he's not like, he doesn't care what I do. You know what I mean? Like, he's always just like, do your thing, do what makes you happy. And he rebelled against his parents when he was younger and did did photography or art or did something creative that back then, you know, he, we're talking the days of like the skinheads and racists in Southall, like the, the proper, when come to this country and people look at you and say,
2: you know, you don't look like me. We we hate you. Yeah. But look, prime example. He stuck to something that he really enjoyed yeah. doing. Yeah. And he's a, he's a pro man. You know, yeah. he is a pro at what he does.
1: He is. And that's because he, for something in him, whether it was his friends, whether it was, his, you know, his two brothers rebelled against that. And he still rebels against his parents, like my dad, but like for me growing up, I never had a, you have to do this. My mom was just like, you know, she didn't really say anything. She was kind of like, you make your mistakes. You learn what you need to learn. Mm. I'm here to support and guide you. Yeah. And then, you know, it wasn't like, Oh, you have to be a scientist or you have to do this. She was like, she literally was like, I don't think she even, there was no influence for what degree to do or, or not to do. Or it was just like, <laughs> just there to you support to you. Yeah. yeah. And I think like, you know, James, what do you think to people who, so both of us have supportive family and at least close family anyway, like our mums, parents, et cetera what would you say to people who maybe don't have a supportive family? Like now in adulthood, I suppose, you know, how, how could people deal with that? Cause friends, obviously you just say, bye and you, you cut them and drop them in a second. But what do you think people can do with family?
2: You know what? Before I get to that question, what well, I wanted to add something. You know, you said your dad rebelled. I want to talk about an example where parents really supported and nurtured their child into a profession he wanted to get into. So, my friend Amadeep Singh, who runs Inquisitive Illustrations, mm. you know, he's so an talented. artist. He's an illustrator. Now, he's only a few years younger than me, so he's from my era. But imagine you turning around to your parents in that era, saying, "Daddy G, I want <laughs> to be an artist." "Daddy G, I want to be an illustrator." You know. Uh, but his parents really supported his creativity, even his mum, his dad, really supported his creativity and You can see what 's happened man he's he 's world class mm. he is world class in what he does, and me, having handled his order sheet and the projects that he does, the commissions that he does, I can tell you he is a top earner, you know he's a top earner. Better than a doctor, better than a barrister, better than a consultant. And he does and loves what he does daily. He's jumping out of bed, feeling great about himself and doing what he wants to do. What better feeling are you going to have than that, you know? And imagine how nice his parents must feel that they supported him in the early years and now. As a son, he's taken on the responsibility of supporting them and he supports them very, very nicely. So that's a prime example of Indian traditional parents supporting their child. But on the question that you asked me, what would you do if you didn't have supportive parents or supportive families? I think it's up to you as a person to sell the dream to them. If it's your dream and you've got so much respect, obviously, like you said, you can't just cut your parents off. You can't just say, do one, dad, do one, yeah. Mom." You know, you've got to make them understand what the potential is of of where you're going with, with what you're doing, because their thinking is going to be very limited. You've got to remember they might be 30 years younger, older than you, you know, 20 years older than you. So they're going to have a very narrow way of thinking. So it's up to you to sell them what you're doing, sell them the dream and make them understand, no, look, Dad, look, Mum, if I do this in 10 years' time, I can achieve this. 20 years' time, I can achieve this. And if I really work hard at this, I could be massive. And the minute they understand it, the minute the penny drops, I think parents will be very, very, very supportive. But I think it's this whole outside influence that we have as an Asian community where the uncle will say, oh, Santosh Damunda, he didn't become a doctor. You know, he started a skip company. Now he's got a refuge collection and he earns 10 million quid, but he still picks up shit. (laughs) <laughs> fucking people don't get it man you know drop the it's, it's status ego. drop the it is mm. you just said it drop the ego drop the status what you do for a living as long as you're earning an honest living and you love doing what you're doing i think you're winning in life man 100 yeah. percent. and listen
1: it's a thought earning 10 million he ain't picking up shit his boys are in it he's sitting in the office laptop on the table chilling like you know what i'm saying ordering a new lamborghini he ain't picking up shit yeah, yeah. That's the that's the ego thing, and like you know, when you're young, especially if it's being drilled into your head. So when you reach age, I don't know, 16, 18, when you have some free thought, I suppose, and you kind of can decide what you're studying, what you're doing a bit. All you have in your head is well, X, Y, Z. Here's my path. It's hard to know how to do something else unless you're friends with someone perhaps who is doing something different. Who's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm starting an estate agency at age nineteen, or oh I'm I'm trading, or I'm selling stuff on eBay and going to boot sales and. So, you know, it's quite tricky unless you have that. And then, of course, if you have it or if you don't have it and you follow that path into corporate or, you know, whatever, just commercial working, you then have it further ingrained in you because the people around you, 90% of them are going to be nine to fivers who enjoy it, will do it forever. Maybe they don't enjoy it, but they'll do it forever. Some enjoy it, some don't. They have the mentality of why are you spending money on investments? We're going to the pub on Friday, you know, oh, you like my new Gucci shoes. and. And look, I'm not saying everyone—we're generalizing here—but how difficult is it to get out of what you've been taught by your parents, what you've been taught by your friends, what you've now been taught by your boss and everyone else to then kind of do it yourself? I mean, like one of the biggest things is when you're working for someone, they tell you when you get a pay rise. Like mm-hmm. Even just saying that pisses me off here. Yeah, like, I remember when they like, "Oh yeah, you do this, and you get this." Now, if I want a pay rise now, you know what I do? I get my phone, I get my computer, and I do some shit and I do some work, and I get a pay rise. That is how, how it works for all of us, right? Oh, pay rise, buy another property. Pay rise, do another flip. Like we control it, and oh, breaking into that is incredible. But when, when James, when people have friends, right? Especially in a corporate setting, someone is working in a corporate job. All their mates are just, you know, not investing, not thinking about the future necessarily. How can what what should people do essentially in situations like that to put their head in the right space?
2: they've got to surround themselves with the people that are thinking in the same way they are thinking. You know, if you're the smartest person in your group, you need to get a new group. Everybody's heard that saying before. If you're hanging around with five corporates that are just concerned with getting to the end of the week and getting to the bar and drinking, and you're there and there's this burning desire inside you, something's niggling at you, poking you every single day saying, Hey, Mr. Dave, you need to get out of this situation. You need to go and learn more. You need to educate yourself. Get yourself to the networking events. Join the Facebook groups. Go follow the people on Instagram. Read. There's so much information out there now. It's, it's easy to do this. And you know what? Don't be afraid of saying to your corporate gang, guys, you know what? Wednesday night, I know it's beer night. I'm not coming. I'm going off, I need to do something. You know, They're going to laugh at you, bro. They're going to take the piss out of you. They're going to say, look at this guy. He wants to be a fucking property investor. They <laughs> say it to everybody. They, you know, I remember when Inquisitive put, he put his first tweet out and he goes, uh, my name's Inquisitive. I'm an artist. And people comment back saying, oh, what kind of fucking name is Inquisitive? You bellend. Now look at it, combine million plus followers across the thing. You know, at first they're going to laugh at you, 100%. But get yourself out of that circle, get yourself out of that negative energy and surround yourself with people that are doing what you want to do or surround yourself with people that are where you want to be and you'll automatically start feeding yourself good vibes. You know, if if you want fleas, go and sit with a group of dogs that have got fleas. Simple as. Mm, put that on a t-shirt, damn. You know, it's
1: it's an interesting point there about they laugh at you at first because, like, yeah, they definitely will. I mean, there's obviously lots who won't. There's lots who will be like, oh, I really admire what you're doing, but I can't ever do it myself. Or there's some who are like, yeah, me too. I'm trying to get out of it too. But the biggest victory, I think, is, yeah, they're laughing now, but mm. in two years when you don't have to go to work and you can get up and just watch netflix play xbox play with your kids do whatever the hell you want on a tuesday because you feel like it. on a tuesday because you feel like it who's laughing mm. then it's going to be mm. you
2: you know um and you probably you know what Sorry, sorry there's it. a good there's a good point about this it's where you I still this still comes to my mind every time we talk about this subject there's that podcast that you recorded very very early on where it's just you and you're talking about your nine-month journey and you haven't achieved much you know you've gone through this journey you've made offers you don't have your first deal you've educated yourself you've done this you've done this you've done this but you never gave up you know anybody listening to that first episode might be going oh look at this guy fuck he wants to get in the property he's been nine months he's done fuck all you know and then suddenly there's explosive growth and it goes big you know so I think you're a prime example of that as well where you quite openly shared your journey you know and I'm sure there must have been people laughing at you back then. And now there's people wanting to sign up to the e-learning and get the book and learn more, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's true. I think, I think people
1: probably in in property, if they were listening to the podcast, they're probably more positive, but yeah, there were definitely people laughing or people, or people saying like, Hmm, you know, you ain't done shit so far. Are you going to do shit now? And you know, it's one of those things where they're always there, right? It's just like life. There's always hyenas. There's always lions. There's always gazelle. Like you just, you just need to roll with the people who are going to get you in the right place. And you know what, to be honest, making new friends in like a new business, like in property, in, in your a marketer, your skincare, whatever your business is, making friends like in an industry where everyone's kind of a business owner. I don't know about you, James, but I think it's pretty easy,
2: right? Yeah. Like look
1: at this, look at all the people we both hang out with, at our guest. You know, The thing is you don't...
2: just get it you just mm. get it when you're in that it's a very small percentage of people that do their own hustle but you get it because you look at someone and you know what pain they're going through when they to mm. you oh you know what my refinance hasn't come through you've got emotions stored in your head that you can relate to you can think okay when this happened to me I felt like this so I know how she's feeling or I know how he's feeling so you connect on that level whereas if you're trying to explain that to someone who's a corporate in a nice shoes suit, sorry suit with Gucci shoes drinking champagne he ain't gonna get it because he's just worried about am I getting my Christmas bonus what am I drinking this friday and am i going home with that bird at the end of the night you know you're thinking on a totally different level Champagne, love it um, you know i think i never used to
1: even enjoy it like when i used to work even though the people were cool i don't know the only really one place i've ever worked that i really actually enjoy spending time with them like i'd always rather go home and stare at right move literally so i don't know i think people don't even enjoy it that much i think it because if you have in your mind you want to be out of there you're just, you're not going to enjoy it that much. You're probably going to want to go home and work on that thing. Like James said, is poking you every day saying, go do something, go research it, go do this. And like you said, there's tons of books. Um, You know, my book is out. People go get it. It's $14.99. No, there are no discounts. Uh, Go get it. It's on Amazon. Or you can order on the website. And plus that there's at least what, 20 books in like on property investing, probably more and more are getting released and there's podcasts like this. There's so much you can do just at, the, just at the start when you're commuting to your job or well now I suppose commuting out of your bedroom, downstairs, you know, you can use this time effectively. You could have used it effectively um, to learn and upskill yourself. Now, James, what about, so, you know, we're talking about raising money shortly in this podcast. You know, do you think that, you know, in order to accept money, in order to actually think that someone will invest in you, mm. do you have to have a certain mindset? that might be different from what you had when you were growing up?
2: Oh, 100%. 100%. You need to stop looking at it as just a big chunk of money somebody's giving you because nine times out of ten, it's not even about the money they're lending you. It's not even about the deal they're giving you, whatever. Nine times out of ten, when you sit with an investor, they're looking at you and they're look, they're, they're working you out and thinking, can I work with James or Tej? Do I like these guys? Are they honourable? Have they delivered what they've said they're going to deliver in the past? Is there any shady is there any shady little stories about them? Is there anything going on about them? And, you know, how secure do I feel working with this person? Then they start asking you about the deal, what returns they're going to get, how it's going to work. So I would say if, you're, if you fed your mind with the right information – and, you know, your, your, your day involves maybe some kind of meditation, some kind of stoic reading like yours does. And I recently started listening to it and it's helped me with some certain situations. And whatever you're feeding your mind with is going to come through when you're talking to an investor because you're going to be thinking totally different. If you're coming to talk to an investor and you've been stressed working five days at work and you're thinking, I haven't met my targets, I haven't met my sales targets, that's going to come out when you're speaking to an investor. You know, so I think all the groundwork you do by educating yourself, all the groundwork you do by listening to the podcast and, you know, trying to better yourself, self-development will 100 percent come through when you speak to a potential investor. And, you know, I feel these are the little things they're judging you on. What, are, what is your long term vision? What is your purpose? Why are you doing what you're doing? I think the money and the deal is always secondary to the person. Mm. and it's like you said that what you put in is what you get out it's the ingredients right if you use shit ingredients the
1: food is going to be crap if you eat crap food your skin your health is not going to be good and it's the mm-hmm. same thing it's those little ingredients the meditation the stoicism the philosophy the exercise the the diet the reading about you know find becoming financially literate you know reading things that you just didn't know about speaking to people who've raised money and just asking well, how does it feel you know like what How did you feel when it came across? What what were you thinking? And and a lot of the time, there's not much. It's just, it becomes normal. But by having the right ingredients, like it sounds like all spiritual and all, you know, silly and whatever. But actually, if your mindset is a certain way, then you will naturally get more opportunities because people perceive that and they say, wow, you know, this dude is all this shit going on, but he's so relaxed. You know, she's had all these things go wrong with the builder, but wow, she's killing it again and again. And like, you don't do that unless you have the right mindset and unless you change or strengthen your upbringing.
2: Yeah, look. Say if you've got a Lamborghini, yeah, and it tells you to put 98 Ron petrol in it. You're not going to go and put the shittest fucking asda unleaded petrol. I think, unleaded that, know, I think you know that's a bad.
1: For... I'm going that's a bad example here because arguably those petrol are actually the same.
2: Have you read the Okay, okay. Okay, okay, but you're going to go by what the manufacturer tells you to put in, right? You're not going to go and put something dirty, dirty into a car and risk it going wrong. It's the same with a world-class athlete. You look at a world-class athlete, yeah. the right ingredients are going in every single day and the right. And look at the massive output that's coming in. Look at people like Kevin Hart. Yeah. He's a comedian, but you follow him on Insta or you follow him on the socials and you see his daily routine but what he eats, the way he trains, the way he is. Look at the rock. People like these, you know, do they, do they need to be getting up at four o'clock in the morning or devoting time to their training there must be something they're putting the good shit in and the good shit's coming out you put the bad shit in and bad shit's gonna come out man it's simple and it's discipline as well it's like i think
1: wasn't there is there like a quote maybe by david goggins or something that says you don't need motivation you need discipline because on those days that you're not motivated what what gets you up at 5 a.m put your little headlight on and go for a run hopefully avoiding a ditch (laughs) you know that is discipline that's not motivation That's you Mm. saying, well, okay, it's four am and it's a weekday. I run this time, so get the hell up and get going. It's not, "Mm, let me do it for you
2: know. It's uh, it's in my bro. It is in my calendar, Monday to Friday. It is there in my calendar. The first alarm that goes off, I know if I don't do it, my rest of my day is going to go to shit, and it might as well go to shit. Actually, Mm. granted, at the moment I'm injured, so I'm recovering, but it has gone to shit. But. I'm taking time to listen to my body. But no, if it's in your calendar, if it's in your day, if you've structured it and you've built it in, you will do it. If it's not, if it's willy-nilly, you look out the window and say, oh, you know what, it's a little bit of rain today. I'll just stay in my bed. You're a pussy. You're not going to do it. Simple.
1: Excellent. I mean, this morning, I don't know if it was in London, but in Birmingham it was snowing. Like When I say snowing, I mean, it was probably... An mm, an inch
2: so on the hey, car. I'm not gonna lie. This morning, I was glad I was injured because I know a few people that went running this morning. And I looked out the window and got back in my bed. I was like, <laughs> You know, this I is our got... normal life. I feel like. <laughs> I didn't even realize
1: I woke up, was already, and then because the lights are on, you can't see outside because it's dark. So as soon as I put the yeah. light off, I was like, "Oh, what the? F- what is this?" <laughs> I was like, oh, I know. My nanny G was like, "Don't worry, just do exercise in your room." innit? it, I was like, "No, I'm, I'm going. I'm gonna wait till it melts." I go out there, scraped off. I'm talking like snow fight levels of snow. It was wicked. Did it all off. And our road here is like a cul de sac, so it's not gritted. And my car is overly powerful for the <laughs> brain it has. Yeah. So literally skidding like It was the road was mash up. Then so when you got the main road, it was fine. But I said to myself, look. I know how to handle this road. I know how to handle this car. I'm not risking a crazy amount. And my nunnies, you might say differently, but I did it and I got to the gym, wet socks, wet, you know, it, it was, it was a madness. And actually at the gym, there were like 20, 24, 25 other people. And so mm. it's that mindset of saying, yeah, well, you know what? This shit's happening, but I'm going to get, I'm going to do what I need to do. I mean, it's like with auk- an auction purchase. Let's say you go there, you exchange, you got 28 days to complete. What if you haven't got the money? You need to go and get it. You know, what if you you wanted you have to quit your job in a year because you just hate it and it's destroying your mental health. What are you gonna do? You're gonna have to do whatever you have to do. Viewings, the KPIs, the talking to investors, the networking, listening to this, doing some education, whatever it is, you have to do it and you still have to you have to make it happen. And I think that's discipline because yes, you can look at your vision board, yes, you can listen to us and you know be hyped and everything. But I don't know. I think when you have that discipline of, okay, right. It's Monday at 12 o'clock. Cool. Today I'm, I'm doing this, this, and it, it kind of, and then also James, because we're talking about raising money. Once you have this discipline, you're a better investor. You're, you're mm-hmm. more reliable. You're better to invest in. And if you're documenting it on social media, people are going to see it and say, Hmm, I see what James is. Okay, cool. I'm. This, he's getting up at 4am. He's taking the kids. He's on site. He's picking the kid. He's on site. They're going to say, wow. This guy yeah. is doing a lot, you know. You know um, what
2: Tony Tony Robbins says this. he says this in a great way. He says change your should and your could for a must and you Change your should and your right.
1: could for a must.
2: Yeah, cuz you know you could say I could go for a run but then you say I must go for a run. There's a different flipping feeling in your mind, you know. I could do this. Oh, I must do this, you know. Simple flip of words as well sometimes really gets you a uh, gets you going and accountability man having accountability groups or people like-minded people that will hold you accountable like with me if I don't go running I know there's going to be four people that are going to message me say ah <laughs> you wanker you never got out running you failed you might as well die you <laughs> give up and you know this is this is man abuse that you get and you think I don't want this abuse I don't want to be the guy who didn't go so you get up and go so accountability I feel is massive as well. And you know what?
1: Accountability accountability you don't have to pay someone for. You can say no. to your mate or you know, someone on Instagram you know, just say, look, we're both kind of new. How about we do some accountability or just form a group? Get ten yeah. I mean, who's going yeah, some people are gonna say no, but most people are gonna say, Yeah, you know what? It's a bloody good idea. Then you network and then you might do business together. And you know, it's that it's kind of being open to it. And there's a really, really good stoic quote which by Seneca, I believe, and it says, if you know not which port you sail, then no wind is favorable. It's quite deep there. If you don't know where you're going, then how do you know if something's an opportunity or a threat? If you don't know what the end goal is, how do you know if something is going to help you? It's the same with raising money. If you don't know what your end goal is, how much you need to raise, when you need to raise it, what it's for, how you're going to raise it, the steps, then you don't know, like daily, monthly, what's happening around you, if it's an opportunity or if it's a threat. Or if someone says something on a DM to you, They could have X amount of money, but you haven't, you're thinking, Oh, you know what? I'm never going to raise money They're, Oh, they're just, you know, pretending that, well, yeah, cheers, mate. I don't need whatever when they're going to say, Oh, sorry, I had 200 grand, but okay, no worries. That Mm. will happen. Like, so you have to be open and receptive to accepting this money. And so, yeah, James, I think, you know what? I know we've spent a half an hour talking about it and, and such, but that's like how important mindset is to raising money. People who are listening, uh, without believe you've got to believe you can do it you
2: know if you're if you think you can't do it you're not going to do it
1: i mean look you know when i first started did i think i was going to raise six hundred forty eight thousand pounds in what first most of it in nine months and then the rest of it kind of recently in like a month did i think i would have you know 10 minute conversations and then tens of thousands of pounds would basically appear in my account obviously there's dd and there's contracts blah 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 etc but you know did i ever think that no does it still kind of amaze me when I'm not busy and I have a second to think about it, of course it does. But I'm receptive to it and I'm open to it. And that's what's important. Like, I know I can get it. I know where to get it, how to get it. Those are obviously important steps, which our guest will speak about.
2: Our guest has arrived. Oh, I guess. Well, please do let <laughs> her should we, in. Should we, keep, should we keep her waiting or should we let her in? She's here.
3: Hey. How's oh, it going? Dave?
1: <laughs> Hello, Dave. Hello. So everyone, uh, please welcome at Spotlight Dave, Divina Sanghera, um a woman of many talents, uh, HMO queen, as, uh, as I like to refer to her, a good friend of mine and James, who's been on both of our podcasts, uh, took like two months to say yes, um, but that just shows the DD process you go into now. <laughs> Hey we,
2: hey I got I got
3: into not with you, Ted I yeah. was <laughs>
1: yeah, not with me yes uh, James was James took a while, but you know someone like James you've got to make sure he's legit, you've got to verify him, you got you know <laughs> what I'm saying, so I get why you did that. It's, i I still do the same thing to him every day company's house checking him out so uh, so I have Dave, done that before with other investors so Dave, we want to talk about two things here, I suppose. the first thing is james what's the what's the quote which summarizes this podcast? Uh, your beginnings don't determine where you end up. Now, what, what, I mean, what are your thoughts on that statement in general with your own personal experience in mind?
3: Um, your beginnings don't determine where you end up. Uh, I I would say yes and no. Mm, Tell us why. Because, um, I think everyone is a product of their environment and I think your environment creates the atmosphere for you to think whether you, are going to achieve great things, um, or not. But I also like, I, I was, you know, I was talking to a friend and a friend who's had a baby and she was like, babies thrive and survive in Syria and in India. And I was like, that's so true. And that's got me in a point where I do think environment is really important, but I also think like having that support system, like that network with your parents and that love, because all those things can like lead to traumas. Um, so in that sense, I do think environment is important. But at the other side, we we have countless examples of people that do break those barriers from where they brought, brought up and do amazing things. But I also think they're the anomalies. There's The oh. percentage is so small in
0: comparison
3: to the ones that don't. So I don't know. I kind of say yes and no. I think... You've got to meet the right people or do the right things to have that kind of light bulb moment when you're in when you're a teenager or in your 20s to break through those limiting beliefs that maybe like your family might have or something that might be the norm to to someone to think, actually, I want to I want to grow more and I want to do better. But then I do think environment plays a massive factor in everyone's life.
1: It's interesting you say that. I noticed something, and that, again, this is up, totally off for discussion, that people who have done that, so the anomalies who have broken through something, have had an uncomfortable younger life, have lived in poverty, you know, whatever, they seem to be a lot more successful than people who've come from, you know, normal comfort, uh, you know, like just, I don't know what the, the technical term is, but just living well?
3: What do I do? don't know. I just think we just hear about the extreme examples. You know, like mm. I said, at university, and my lecturer um, at university would say, when you send a survey, you only get the outliers because the people in the middle, they're not going to bother. The ones that think, mm. okay, this is all right, an okay product or whatever, they're not going to, you're not going to get the response. You're going to get the outliers. So we only hear the stories of the Google CEO, yeah, you know, who's, from a really humble Indian background and his dad saved up his annual salary to pay for his flight ticket. And when he went to Yale or Stanford, I can't remember now, students' backpacks were greater than his father's salary. We only hear the anomalies, but there are, there's going to be thousands, countless out there that have broken the the barriers from their own little um, backgrounds. And you know, if I talk about my little background, like, um, I'm the first person in my family to go to university. I'm the first person in my family to be a 40% taxpayer, to work in the, and this is my immediate family. Obviously, I like have uncles and cousins, uh, you know, and like far distant uncles that are like pharmacists. But in my immediate family, I am that first person. And, you know, like now I realize what limiting beliefs my parents have. And even now, I bought a house last Friday, right? And my mom and dad were like, slow down. Take it easy. Take it easy. Slow Stand down. And I, I have to say in the nicest <laughs> way, like look, um, thank you. I, I, I get what you're why you're saying this, but um, I've not taken advice from you yet on this, and I'm not about to now, but I will. I mean, make how, can mistakes. You, how can
1: you say that nicely? I don't know possible. It
3: is. No, but it's like, I will make mistakes, but I'll learn from them. I've made loads of mistakes. And then I, I'll use my mum and dad's mistakes that they've made. And you know, for, it's learnings, dad, as long as you learn from it, it doesn't matter. We all learn, you know, I spent 30,000 pound extra on a builder, but it's okay. It's learnings um and and then I'll go but you know you'll reap the rewards of my successes so that's okay to you <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you can ever even in the nicest tone of voice that's um I mean it's an important message isn't it because like we were, you know me and James are talking earlier about our parents and how they've influenced us and how you know people kind of can break out of it or strengthen it if it's been positive in your experience maybe what were some of the beliefs that you ha- either had to break or to strengthen to be as successful as you are
3: yeah, so, um, like, my, my family's never had, like, like even my parents, they've never just been goal-orientated and, like, wanted to succeed. So, um, just with, like, my mum being from India, you know, I remember as a kid, like, speaking in English in CNA, you know, for example, because she just, she just was unconfident. Now, if I take that onto me, I always speak Spanish and I make so many grammatical errors and I don't care. You know, and, and I'm like, how have I lived in Spain for 10 months? And my Spanish is way better than my mum's English. And and that's probably not true now, because obviously I've got um, an English sister-in-law and Ricardo being in, in, in my life as well. So that's probably not true now. But it definitely was for a good probably, you know, 25 years. But definitely my Spanish is way better than my grandma's English. And my dad was born in this country you know? And, and so like, when you have that, you don't, you just I learn to accept, okay, my grandma mum do not speak English uh, as well as I can, even though I'm 10 years old, but that's not normal, that we shouldn't, we shouldn't accept that as normal. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I refuse to accept that, that that is okay. That And I say to my grandma, you've lived in this country for over 60 years. That is not okay. Like, and she worked at British Airways for 27 years. You know, it's not like she was a stay-at-home mom. So that, that, and and that's just one example. And that's a basic thing with language. And I I love languages. Like, you know, I like had this goal when I was 22. I want to be fluent in three European languages. And then like when I was learning French, it pushes my Spanish out. My Spanish is too uh, domineering. I know I can't achieve that goal, but it is what it is. But my family don't have that goal. You know, I, I want to be really successful and I want to earn a certain amount. My dad will say this thing about, paying tax you know oh if I earn this much I'll pay tax and I'll go but dad paying tax is really good because we live in a country I've been a recipient of the tax system you know I believe in paying tax I'm probably one of the like the on like the only property people that's like yes pay tax um because I went to a state funded school you know my my mom had operations and you know she had benign tumors and I've got operations like and the scars on my body because the NHS funded it how the tax pays for that um and I went um so that's edu- and security like um when I've had like the very rare run-ins um that I've had with the police they have been there and supported me you know I had a social media stalker that I put away in prison for six years and that's a whole different story um so wow. I know I know Dr. <laughs> bombshell right there um so th- th- those are- woke up <laughs> Those are three things that are really important to me: health, education, and security. And the ta- and I've been a recipient of the tax system. And so we have all, you know, if we compare the system in America, where mothers have to pay ten thousand dollars, we just don't have to do that in this country. America's so-
1: just fucked up in many ways, but yeah, that's yeah. Okay. Yeah, but
3: we, we shouldn't be afraid to pay tax. You know, And I think, you know, we, we put this the tax man and it's like, no, this we live in this country. Look at in India because, you know, they, there's not an infrastructure in place to get tax and there's black money and whatever. And I know in recent years, there's been tries to do that. But if I compare my life in the UK versus to the lives of people that I see in India, which is which could have been my life if my great-granddad hadn't come to England. Do you know what I mean? That could have been possibly my life. Um, I'm very grateful for that. So I'm very grateful for this opportunities
2: um yeah Davinda I got a question for you did you say your mum? did you say your mum works in British Airways or your grandma did
3: my grandma so my great granddad worked at British Airways my grandparents both the ones that live in my house worked at British Airways for 32 or 27 years my dad worked at British Airways for 21 and I worked at British Airways for one summer whilst I was at university.
2: wow do you know what you must know my mother-in-law because she was there for just under 40 years my daddy You was there as well for like 30 years in British Airways
3: <laughs> my- <laughs> My family, my grandparents probably know yeah, know them and stuff. So
1: Are we all related? I mean I don't even know.
3: I don't think we're all related. Yeah. <laughs> the you know what it was? Yeah. If
2: if James if, if you uncle. lived if you lived in West London, everybody worked yeah. in Heathrow yeah. and if you lived in East London, everybody worked in Ford.
0: Ford oh, Motor Company. Really?
2: So that's how it was. But anyway, let's get back to it. Davina, do would you say that as you were growing up, was there a blueprint for you to follow or was there some kind of blueprint that uh, Indian families had for you uh, as a child that you must go down this route, you must do this, you must do that?
3: Um, I don't think I had a blueprint per se and because I'm like the first person in my family to go to university, to live abroad, to learn another language in my, in my 20s, in, in my adulthood and live in that country. So there was no blueprint per se But my mum, who comes from a village in India and doesn't have an education, you know, she got married when she was 19 and she came over here um, and she didn't go go to university. She would always drum into my head about an education, more so than my dad, who was born here and actually went to university but didn't get his degree, you know, and he went for a year um, and was really, really smart and intelligent. And, you know, all of his cousins and my uncles and aunts always say that. But so there was no blueprint per se, but my mum was always like, education 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 um and and that was the reason why i did not have to
1: sounds like samuel Leeds.
2: <clears throat> sounds like it sounds like e learning
1: <laughs> oh, sounds like a property educator
2: oh <laughs> you must get
1: you must get education was your mum like run to the back of the room to sign up <laughs> use your credit card you credit card
3: but get mom's credit card <laughs> but um no so there was no blueprint but my mum was like a big you know it was the reason why i didn't have to cook and clean and and it was mum was like no 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 you need to study like anyone can learn how to cook and clean you know no 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 don't worry don't put the dishes in the dishwasher you go upstairs and study here's but you're your
2: lucky you are I bet you <laughs> loved that didn't you
1: yeah what? look at you Rani queen from day one and i got but told then, you better do this, everything
3: i was lacking those skills because i learned those skills at an older age and you know it's so funny like i i do enjoy cooking but i enjoy cooking en masse for people
2: but you still can't wash your patilla oh <laughs> <laughs>
3: well, yeah don't don't wash
1: your patila Hold on I've been to your house Multiple times You've never cooked for me Actually to be honest If your grandparents said, I'd because, rather they
3: because cook Because also This is their house But in mm. at Ricardo's, I cook all the time right Fine, I'll and i'll cook that. like paella and and the thing is it's, it's so funny like we're even he's he's obviously comes from a cooking family and he has a restaurant background so he'll be like oh what is these brown pear and he'll like <laughs> ask my masi at my masi sounds like what is this and then masiji be like oh you know the they and i'm like no masiji teach him and then i will learn and that is how it goes with cooking ricardo needs to learn the indian food and then i will learn <laughs>
1: I love this. I love this. Make sure you got some food ready for me this Friday, yeah? Make sure you got some samosi or whatever. I'm ready.
3: Oh, you're coming over this Friday?
1: Yeah, I told you.
3: Okay, fine. Well,
1: babe, if I haven't, I've announced it right now. I'm okay. coming. So I, I shall. <laughs> I'm ready. So, you know what? When it comes to, like, taking that childhood, I suppose, going into a corporate job and then escaping the corporate job, escaping that rat race, you know, do you think that the corporate job kind of helped or hindered Your and the people around you in that job did it help or hinder, you know, what you're doing now, what you did after that?
3: That's a really good question. I've thought about this.
1: What can I say? I've thought
3: about aspects of this a lot, but never that question together. So, I had my least amount of growth when I was in corporate, and I was in corporate for about five years. Wow. Um, so I had my growth
1: as like a person, right? In terms of mindset and things like that,
3: knowledge, person, just understanding, you know, the things like. Yeah, just managing money. Um, yeah, just like, you know, it's a PAYE system, so you don't have to think about taxes because it gets done for you. Um,
2: just, if you say you were in kind of a safe bubble.
3: Yeah, 100%. And it was, well, I say safe bubble, even though I was like a trader, so it was like, you know, really scary and <laughs> frightening at times. Um, but I had my least amount of – ask me the question again. What was the question? Um,
1: did your time in corporate help or hinder your – you know, property journey that you're doing now. And it was after that.
3: Yeah. So would you
1: have done better without it?
3: Yeah, probably. I don't think. Wow.
1: I I didn't expect that. You can
3: add value to it. You know, I was then so uncomfortable. I was a, I was a a fish climbing a tree. You know that quote by Einstein?
1: (laughs) 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 It sounds awkward. awkward,
3: Yeah. it (laughs) It will spend its entire life thinking it's stupid. Yeah, I was, a fish. I was doing, I was working really, really hard to be mediocre at something when mm. my colleagues around me just would get it and they would just and they would clock it and they'd get it. And I'm like, why am I not getting this? And I, it just didn't make sense to me. And I didn't care enough either for, for it to make sense. So I was, I had to work really, really hard to be mediocre at something. Um, and so I do think it hindered me because I think that I didn't grow as a person I was really unconfident um and even things that I knew about I lacked the confidence to talk about them in our morning meetings that my colleagues that knew less about it would talk about it and I'm like oh but that's my piece of information I did that with you yesterday but I just didn't have the confidence to share it in the morning meeting so I definitely think like I just didn't have that confidence in that career aspect and I had to like learn those things um you know like by Interacting with builders and solicitors and brokers and and basically just learning what my style is and my communication style.
1: And now you're filling out venues and doing public speaking to hundreds. No, Baker Street was like three hundred people, so that's a pretty big shift, right? What like, uh, what kind of got you to be able to do that? Was it just well, well, I've got an opportunity, I'm going to do it, or did you? You know, was it just that constant interaction, that constant being thrown into the deep end, that then gave you the confidence to do something like that?
3: Well, I guess, I guess this is something for you guys, and you guys will probably like share this as well. Like when some when people then give start giving value to you, so like like Ranjan, obviously, right? Like it was his property, me, and he's he's a really switched on dude. Like he's got such great energy in the way that the ability that he has to explain stuff. And then when someone like Ranjan, who you know is a is a property big dog um Mm -hmm. then wants to bring you on to his thing it's like oh wow I must be doing something okay you know so so that's credibility so that that's really nice and then like recent more recently kind of after that and even now like I end up having conversations with people where I you know and I have like these little zoom calls with property investors and I'm kind of like educating or mentoring them and I'm like gosh like you don't know more than me or less than me it's just my confidence You know, and and maybe you guys can think that too. Like I will encounter people that have been in property for 10 years and it sounds like they've been there for six months.
0: Wow. And, yeah.
3: And sometimes it's just like, so So, so sometimes it's the comparison with people and it's other like, I guess, big property people giving credibility. And then like, I guess, coming on to like podcasts with you guys and, and you know, you two are the only podcast that I've done and said yes to. Exclusive. <laughs> <Hey>! <laughs> um, And then just doing like, the Instagram lives that I did and putting videos out and, you know, getting like, you know, 25,000 views on some of my videos. And then, and, and of course, like you do get the criticism. So you do get the, get the, get the like, you know, negativity, but being able to shut it off and seeing actually like, yeah, there are a lot of people that are taking value from this. And then obviously getting all those messages, you know, from social media or whatever. And, you know, when someone asks you to mentor and I, no, I don't mentor and I categorize. Or, or, categorically say that i don't um but when when you get that it's like well someone's obviously watching me from afar and seeing on my social media and they they see the value that they would want me to be their mentor that, and that's really quite humbling you know
1: yeah those are really good points and you know we, you kind of mentioned confidence before and you know not having the same confidence as your your colleagues and then of course going into property and having to build it now you raised a lot of money so raising money the act of it you know, I think it generally takes some confidence. I mean, even just to present your deal, you've got to kind of do it from your chest. You've got to present it with some confidence. And then to handle that money, whether it's tens, hundreds, millions, whatever, all zeros, to manage it, and then to sit there and be like, okay. And then to then just do the million and one things we all know, and everyone listening knows we have to do as property investors. Where did that confidence come from to raise finance and to, 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 get, to sort of then use it effectively?
3: I just had this belief. I remember sitting in one of those property courses. Um, and, you know, that's what. Which one was it? Me. A legacy. So I did legacy. Um, okay. And I just, I had this belief in myself. I genuinely did like, I could do this. And I had a broken wrist. I had broken my wrist uh, in March, 2017. A refugee broken in my wrist. In yeah, Greece? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I can do this. I just had this belief you know, that I I could do it. And I was like, I can raise money. It's fine. And I didn't have the family, um, and like friends really, because they were obviously young and my age and in their twenties. Um but I was like, I can do this. Yeah, this is this is fine. This is the thing I can do. You know, I didn't I didn't focus on the property element because I was like everyone does property my granddad's got pro- you know rental properties they can't be that hard your granddad's um, a proper landlord
1: isn't it? proper don yeah. fixing his own guttering when he's like 70 or something he's mad
3: and um he oh, was he's a, you know we talked about being hate to, he, we love watching nightmare tenants slum <laughs> did you together.
2: see james on that episode did you see, did you see james oh yeah, yeah get out of here! i've never <laughs> been on that episode ever <laughs> They're all in Hounslow and Slough, all those rogue landlords. You don't see them Harrow. in a st-
3: Harrow and like... Harrow. London. But Bobbity was like, yeah, I had, you know, this property was a HMO and I had the license. I'm like, Bobbity's HMO landlord. Ooh, big up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the original done. <laughs> the original. Wow. Um, you know what? Let's talk about actually raising finance then. Because, so, Divina, how much have you raised in what time frame?
3: Okay, so I think I broke the billion barrier. And that was like literally a week ago. How much? the million barrier. So I've raised- I thought she billion. said
1: a billion. I thought you said a billion. I was like, yo, spread the love. <laughs> oh, <yeah>. uh,
3: <laughs> no, I think I've broken the million barrier. I'd have to like tally it up in my, in my spreadsheet and count it, uh, which I haven't really got around to. There's um, just so
1: much done. There's no time for counting. You just got, you got to invest.
3: Oh, I've just been drowning under, under <laughs> bookkeeping. Honestly, this is, it's not fun. That's been what's taking priority to be honest. Um, no. So I think it's a million now and yeah. And
1: probably- how long is it taking you to raise that?
3: Um, so I've done it. So I've done it in. Um, I know, like you, quite count. Like you go, oh, I have done this in five months. But mine depends on proper projects I have on. So for mm. six months, sometimes I haven't been raising funds because I've had the funds in, and I can r- yeah. revolve the investor funds in. But how
1: long have you been in property? Then Let's, I want to give people. I want to show people what you've done because it leads to my next question.
3: Yeah.
2: Go so- from the journey from leaving corporate to where you are now. What's that period?
3: So uh, I left corporate technically in february 2017 um and then i like did the property courses i, jo- I joined that in 2017 but i full-time went into property in 2018 because i was still traveling in 2017 so i like spent a month away in like you know nepal and india in october so about
1: two years then you've raised a mil, well, I, I
3: think three years mil- 2018 2019
1: all of Oh, yeah, to t- yeah, yeah yeah i mean I think, you know, for people listening it's pretty damn good going man that's and also I think definitely if you wanted to raise more I you I'm know I'm pretty I sure, sure you could. Like, if
3: I wanted to raise more I could have like now I see it I could have raised mm. it. it's just I didn't have the deals and you yeah. know you don't want to overborrow uh, and and I did get to a stage once where in the summer where I was a little bit overborrowed just because a property deal didn't go through and I told my investor um you know and I was really transparent I went look cuz obviously I'm going to put it on social media. Hey, I've completed. And then I wasn't completing. I was like, by the way, I didn't complete. Um, but you know, I've, I've got another project in the pipeline, but it means you're getting your interest. And he was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, so yeah, like, um, I don't like to overborrow and I really do think if I really wanted to, I could have, but, um, yeah, I've also know during lockdown, I realized that like, I, um, I have this like I have a healthy relationship to debt like um personal debt does frighten me um and it does it does keep me up at night thinking oh what if this goes wrong and I don't pay back my building obviously I had like a change of builder's during lockdown and therefore I had to pay over 30,000 on a refurb mm-hmm. now I also do client projects and my my personal project my own renovation I spent 20,000 more than my than my clients projects and and it blows my brain because I'm like how does this make sense my client is paying me and I'm running the project, and they pay twenty k less than my project, <laughs> yeah, and and it and it just it just blew my brain. I'm like, I'm fucking doing something wrong. you might need to beat that. But so and and those things. Really do you, do you
2: think you're more cautious when you're playing with other people's money though? Because if it's your own project, was it your own money?
3: No, there's the one that I'm raising the investor finance. Okay, for, okay, right. And it's just a series of events that happened, and and I'm the sort of person that like, um, I always I always look at like. Uh, like exit so B C D E O E to like z as much as possible and so when i saw something going wrong i was like i need to get rid of this builder there is no point trying to motivate him because it's not going to happen and i just kicked him off and i got got another build and obviously you paid the builder to a certain amount and he had he had refunded me two grand um you know and then I ended up send
1: like, him a ccj bruv it takes like yeah, two you know, minutes I'm, send the ting i've I'm sent really, one already
3: i'm really i saw that i'm really thinking about it you know i'm actually
2: oh, like
1: listen just do it you know what it's just i've do done it as well oh ccg ccj gang should have been there. you know what you raised you've raised quite a lot of money now i want to kind of know because i'm thinking right? what are our listeners thinking and what i think would answer quite a lot of questions in one is why do people invest in you why do people invest in spot the dave over spot the whatever over tom dick harry and all they touch why, why you what is it do you think
3: um i think it's just consistency and credibility so like i actually i had my two recent investors that invested with me and that totaled 100k um one of them came from instagram had just been following me and then reached out to a message and then we just met up uh because because we could and uh like it just was convenient obviously if the person was like really far up north and or like down south somewhere in cornwall that wouldn't have been possible but that that's never been a factor either um to be honest, you know, like it's good to get face to face, but actually this year, like Zoom meetings have been everything. Um, so that was that was somebody that had been watching me from afar. Um, and I later came to realize that um, actually, like it was probably like the credibility of other people talk, saying positive stuff around uh, around him um mm. and, and it was just like i realized that really recently and i was like oh that that kind of makes sense and you know like maybe listening to my podcast and just seeing um and then the TED
2: talks
1: podcast not the j2 one yeah it makes sense yeah and
3: yeah. then act talking about the tech talks podcast oh, so yeah. I had another, my other investor that, that lent me capital this like in this past two weeks um was somebody that i'd met in 2017 when i was abroad so british guy um you know older gentleman i would say like yeah my parents age yeah and, same sort of age yeah yeah, James. <laughs> and
1: it leave
2: just,
3: it out. Uh, emails in twenty nineteen um, about um, investing, and you know, I was like replying back, and then it just didn't materialize, and he didn't reply back. Um, and he's obviously watching from afar, and he listened to my TED Talks podcast, oh. and he just jumped. He just jumped on a call with me, and this time it was his wife interacting with me, and I and his wife WhatsApps me. He Both. emails, and I've never met his wife, but we've had video calls. And they started with the amount, and I was like, "Well, that's too small for me. Uh, this is my minimum." And they doubled it.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and people say you shouldn't have social media, they,
3: they, they, exactly. And the money was in my account before they even signed the loan agreement. So they just trusted. They just trusted. And I didn't you even talk about deals with them. I didn't talk about deals and numbers. So it was credibility, and it is. And you know, I think. Um, hold on,
1: hold on, say, say that again. You didn't talk about deals or numbers. They
2: they message you money.
3: That's to
2: powerful me. people. They're, they
3: are lending to me as a person, not to the deal.
2: That's powerful. And it's consistently showing up. We were just talking about this before, is it? Before the deal and the numbers is the person, I yeah. feel.
3: 100%.
2: I mean,
1: for people listening, like, th- this is reality. This will happen. Like, like Divina said, you, you, you've had, this is not the first time it's happened to you. It's not the first time it's happened to any of us. Like, this is the level that it gets to. But Divina, let, let's delve deeper into that, right? So credibility and consistency. Why slash how... Are, people, are other people talking about you? Like, you know, let's say I'm new to property. How do I get, this can be a weird question, but how do I get other people to talk positively about me and then create some sort of, I don't know, vibe around me? How, how's that happening?
3: Well, you probably know this more than more than me because just with your brand and stuff and the, and the fact that you interact with people, but I guess it's just, it's being on those things, on those uh, social media platforms and doing those things, right? Like if, I've done Baker Street Property Meet or PP and Knightsbridge. Then it's just kind of oh, I've done Ted's Talks or you know James's J Two P- podcast. That's kind of like and this is the reason why I was doing my due diligence on James because it means like you are vouching for that person and it's vice versa, right? And so well,
2: I was interviewed for about two months from you before you came, <laughs> if I remember correctly. <laughs> I did. She goes, say well, easy." I, she goes, "I really liked that episode, James, um, and I really like this." Then before I know it, I got her involved
3: i've never been interviewed for a podcast i told james to give me his top three i've done that to somebody else that you guys know and i've listened to his podcast and i'm like really keen to get onto his podcast so anyway
1: (laughs) Mm, you know what so so social media is clearly a big big part of what you you know of your success right it's marketing but then like where i say where do you find investors but of course it's social media i mean if you think back to your investors would you say that they've all come from basically your social media?
3: Um, my first one didn't. That came from my personal life, um, who was, again, an older gentleman that I'd known for 10 years. And, um, you know, I met when I did an internship at one of the big four when I was at university. We just kept in touch. And so, no, my first one came, came personally. And then the, the next two came um, from property, uh, and that was personal connections. And, and so that was a quarter of a million from three people.
2: Well, wow. can, can I ask you a question, uh, Davinda? Do you still work with these people? Um, are they regular investors or they hop in for a deal and they hop out or do you find they stay with you for a while?
3: Yeah, so my first investor is my long term investor. Um, and so he's in it. But the, the, the next two that were in property, uh, they were just short term ones. And, and they were really adamant about that. They were like, look, we're just short term ones. We've got our own goals, but I do have a bit of money and I can lend to you for about, you know, six to 12 months. And actually I ended up, yeah, giving the money back earlier because I just, I needed it for a short-term um, period just to bridge the gap because I didn't have a refinance of my London flat coming through. Um, so yeah, so they were just, they, they were property people. And obviously when they're property, they command a higher interest rate. So I've learned also like, you know, the best deals and the best relationships are outside of property. You know, <laughs> the ones the ones that are in property, I just naturally, they're a bit more savvy. They, they, they command a higher interest rate. Um, whereas the ones that aren't, you know i can get them
2: down to you know what this reminds me of something uh, alfred said when we interviewed him Tej, at the property duo uh, which uh, uh, is
1: coming to speak at as well
2: yeah mm-hmm. she's our last guest i'll we'll save the best for last anyway he said um, oh. he said something like his best investors are people that don't understand property, people that have a high paid job and just have money sitting around that they just want to grow. They don't even want to know too much about it. They don't want to know what's going on. They just want to give it to you and you crack on. Would yeah. you say that's the same with you?
3: Yeah, because it's, it's, it's time a poor people and these are the best ones because they won't step on your toes either.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and they don't care about property. They're, they're so specialized in what they're doing. Um, you know and and they might be older so they, they don't you know they don't have the energy to run around and so they've made their millions or whatever um and they've got this money sitting in the bank and they they just want to make it grow
1: so uh Devinder, you know um when it comes to raising finance like a lot of and let's not say raising finance let's just make it more broad when it comes to social media a lot of accounts and people maybe not so much in property but you know i guess so tend to post the shiny stuff, the highlight reel, the magazine, the Vogue cover, and it's all, you know, great, 2020, my best year ever, oh my God. But really, they're like, they fucking hate life and life Anyways, a lot of people, we don't see what's really going on. And look, that's their choice, whatever, ethically, is it, you know, anyways, my point is, a lot of people... Don't show the reality of what's going on. And a lot of people are scared because they say, oh, well, if I post the cowboy builder stuff like Ted did, then no one's going to invest in me because they're going to say, look at you, you're an idiot. Yeah. What are your thoughts on glossy versus reality and anything in the middle of it?
3: So we, me and you have had private conversations about this because you actually said this to me once. Um, you know, like the second time we met, you went, yeah, you're just high glossy magazine <laughs> covers. And I repeat this a lot, you know, to people. Um, and actually... I was, and I was just putting out the numbers and the fab and like, look at my HMO and the colors. I was not sharing the pain and it was so damaging because it's cathartic as well to kind of Mm -hmm. and share, because as you know, as soon as I'm sharing, there are so many people that are going through it as well. You know, the amount of like people that have gone, yeah, I've had this rat issue do this. And I'm like, oh my god there's a there's a council roaded, you know system which is so much more cheaper than private inspectors did not know this or okay I can do this and I have like this great conversation with these faceless people you know like I don't can't see their profile they're private or they've not even got a thing and it's like I'm having these like really decent conversations and you know like before when I was just putting the glamour people were taking screenshots they were going into my investment area they were copying my my strategy they they didn't i was not attracting the investors that i am now because i was just attracting the copycat hmo
2: yeah yeah
3: wannabes um which is which is okay there's always going to be those people and that's okay too but I was seeing so much of those that it was literally overtaking my brain space and now when I share that you know I've got four properties with rodents in it you know this has been my thing like and someone will go and I, and I'll go I think there's a theme here and one person will, go, yeah it's you and I'm like yeah it's me <laughs> <laughs> they just love me I'm the pied piper <laughs>
2: You know what's funny what you said there, yeah? Because I find this as well. When you start posting stuff, you know, like I posted a video recently of a leaking pipe once a wall's been plastered. And so many people reached out and they were like, you know what, James, this is awesome that you're sharing stuff like this because people don't share this. Yeah. And I find the more screw-ups you post, the more mistakes you post, <laughs> the higher the engagement and the higher, yes. the more people want to interact. You post <laughs> something glossy and nice and you say, look at this, and people just you just get a like and that's it. And it's nothing more than that. And
3: it's real. And it's real. And and when I've been doing that, so since the summer, and then when I posted, I think it was like late October that, oh, you know, any um any investors looking to um like deal with me, uh, well, looking to invest their funds passively, I had so many people and I was like, What? And you know, some of them didn't materialize and one of them obviously did, and like I don't like to overborrow, but I am still looking for investment because I've got a couple of projects on, so hit me up. Um <laughs> But um it yeah, was But like but what it was, it was people that were like, yes, this is really tough. Like I do not want to deal with this. I do not want to deal with the leaking pipe and, and the grout going away and rodents. I just want a passive money income to my money. And you know, as I think about this and I borrow money from investors, I'm like, this is gonna be me. Like I am, after I'm done with my property, I'm literally just going to lend my money out passively. You know, this is what I'm going to do because it is the best return on your ROI with minimum minimal input. You do your due diligence at the beginning. You like the person, you look through the numbers, you do your due diligence, but that's it. And then they can run the project. And another thing is like, as well, when you, you know, we talked about it's how we've raised money and it's been to us, not the numbers. Now, when a person is so honest and they have integrity and even when the project fucks up they will do whatever in their power to get that money back to you so when you are investing with a person because there is a high possibility that the money is that the the, the deal is going to fuck up you know they're not going to get their refinance the builder's going to walk off it's going the house is going to stay empty i have a client that that happened to you know i had to walk away from it and, and and it happened to them and when i think about the learnings i'm like this would never have happened to me because it's not in my dna There is no way in hell I would have left a property empty. I would have been on my sixth builder and I would have got it done, you know, because that's just me. That's just my drive. And and then when I think about it, I'm like, yes, when I lend to a person, I need to find that little divinder. Because even when the project fucks up, I know they will they will do something. They will. They might you know borrow from another investor and and take me out and yeah, then they'll definitely. they'll have another strategy to then do the income or they'll become entrepreneurial and they'll they'll create another strategy later to think actually i now need another income source because i you know i p- paid x amount and my refinance is not going to cover my the to pay back my investor so when we are investing when people are investing in me like it's because they're investing in me as a person and I'm going to do whatever is in my power. And I, and I say this to my investors, you know, I, I go. there is a chance that this will mess up. There is a reason why you are investing at me with me for a higher interest rate rather than leaving your money in the bank. It is risky. Everything, you know, everything I do is risky. And if it wasn't, I wouldn't be, do, you know, I, we wouldn't be, do, everyone would be doing it, but they're not. Um, but these are the risks. And are you comfortable with that? Um, but look, I will do whatever is in my power to get that money back to you. And if it means that I pay you a higher interest rate for, you know, like the thing, the time that I'm in default, it will happen. And I've never defaulted. And this is how much I've raised. And here, do you want to speak to my other investors? And so, and that, and you know, I'm so transparent about that. And I'm, I now don't try to do the high glossy magazines, which I used to do and it that sometimes that makes people nervous and they go away. and that's okay because I don't want an investor that's calling me every week and be like what's going on and on my back I don't need that other stress so it's the way that I conduct myself and now it attracts the right people you know and before it wasn't because I was doing the high glossy magazines
1: very very good points and also a good kind of big up to everyone who does show the ups and downs and also to, to people who are kind of scared or worried look we've got all three of us are saying that when we show this real. stuff, people connect with you because, of course, everyone's been ripped off by a builder. Everyone's scared of working with them. Everyone's, you know, had rats at some point. Everyone's a, there's always some issue, and it, it's about the emotional connection. And just being high gloss is great, like that's a brand and your thing. But when you take peel that back and you show the reality, pe- we're all humans. People want to connect with that, and investors want to look at Dave and say, "You know what? Bloody hell, she's dealt with a lot. Like my money is safe with her." Because, well, if rats come up, she knows what to do. (laughs) If this comes up, she knows what to do. If, you know, James, the way he manages his builders, wow, you know, I want to invest with them. And so it it does make a really, really big difference. Now, uh, Dave, we've reached the end of the podcast, but I want to ask you something. 2020, it's been a madness. What has been your best and worst parts of 2020?
3: This whole year has been horrible. (laughs) This whole year has been like the worst year of my life tell me about it <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even try because I've had a really comfortable life so I think maybe that's why <laughs> but no it's been it's been a really tough year um you know I've like had anxiety where I didn't have anxiety before and I've I've just had I've had like a deep sadness which I'd had not experienced before and it's been horrible um and you know just not like Different contributing factors. So this year has been horrible. I'm I'm quite chronological. When I think about things, I can think about things and dates. Like oh February 2017, I did this. Um, January 2018, I did this. I I know every month that I bought a property and when I refinance. I might not remember exactly the date, although a lot of times I can. But I know the months, and I my brain thinks chronologically. But when I think about 2020, and I go oh yeah, I remember I, remember I did that, and I'm like no, that was summer 2019. Twenty twenty is a blur. Like there is.
2: There is That's a good memory. way of describing it.
3: There are no memories of twenty. And yeah, I, you know, I did stuff, and you know, I bought a couple of properties and I raised funds, and but that was business as usual. I was, mm. I did that in twenty nineteen, so that was not any more different to to my life. And um, so this year has been really, really horrible. And yeah, at, at my lowest lows, I remember thinking, oh, I'd sell it all. You know, I'd sell all. I'd sell the. Tools. You
1: never sell. It's against your religion.
3: I would sell I'd sell it to get the happiness back and you know mm. I would just, there were some points where I was so sad and so I had this deep deep sadness you know I spent like a couple of months just in bed you know like and and the the irony is those months that I was in bed is probably when I was posting the most
2: <laughs> I would I have think, I think most a day people when I think most people didn't they during lockdown <laughs> Sorry, what was that, James? Sorry. I think I said I, I think most a lot of people spent a couple of months in bed during lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it, yeah. <laughs> We're
3: just yeah, life is just a bit horrible. The best thing out of twenty twenty, I guess, the growth and all the learnings. Um,
2: wow,
3: there's been so much personal growth as well, and yeah, like just so many learnings. Um, I guess about myself and why I do things, and you know, and and it comes back to the question that you asked about like um is the, when I said the environment, yeah, like your upbringing is so, so important to get that support and that love and stuff. And and all I think, I can't change the past. I can't change what's happened, but I can change the future. So I always think, oh, I'm going to be like this with my kids. You know, um, I'm going to discipline my kids with love and not the Punjabi way. Like, oh, tu ka de kita? like, you know, with the shouting, <laughs> the, <"Ney>, rende, <laughs> you know, like being told off and criticized constantly, which is so damaging. <laughs> um but yeah like and reading listening to because I don't I don't read now um which is not something I'm proud of but I just I listen to a lot on audible but uh so I do get through books quite quickly so listening to personal development books um, like, you know, the Chimp Paradox, ne- mm. like learning how to negotiate the Chimp Paradox. I'm rereading it again, which has been great. Uh, how to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, mm. Core cool books, core cool books. Eighty twenty 20 rule, the English one and the American one. Really, you know, and I could, like, uh, Sapiens as well. I could be listening to something and the author will say something about empathy. And I'm like, and it will just pull me on a tangent and I'm it's blown my brain. And I wasn't even listening to a relationship book. You know, I was listening to like sapiens <laughs> and the author would talk about empathy. So that's been great. The growth and the, and the learnings and just the, the time that I've taken uh, to, to like focus on, on that has been, uh, has been, I guess, the positive out of it. But it's been very, very painful. I'm not going to lie. It's been like climbing a mountain.
1: Well, we appreciate you sharing that because as we said, Great everyone answers. shares that. And yeah, I think a lot of people are feeling your way. So we mm. and our listeners will appreciate you sharing that because it's kind of journey. I think that a lot of people have, have been on. So Dave, thank you so much for coming onto the TPD podcast and uh, for people listening davinda's contact details instagram will all be in the show notes so please if you're not already give her a follow go talk to her um and yeah dave thank you so much and everyone on the tpd please leave a review please check out my new book and my e-learning and we'll see you next week
0: thanks for tuning in to the j2 hub podcast with james sahota if you like the podcast feel free to subscribe so you never miss another podcast from james And if you got value from this podcast, do take the time to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever else you consume your podcast content from. And remember, you're never too late to become something you truly want to become.